Welcome to another edition of CHP Talks. Today we have the opportunity and privilege of speaking to former CHP leader Ron Gray, and we are going to be talking about free speech, uh, internet censorship, and uh, Bill C-10. Uh, so with that, Rod, do you want to uh, give our former leader a proper introduction here? Well, it's so great to have you with us today, Ron. Uh, Ron was our uh, national leader for 13 years, uh, a great mentor to many of us, uh, both Peter and me for sure, and many others. And uh, he was a journalist. I'm going to just <clears throat> read this bio so I don't leave too much out. Uh, he was a reporter for the Vancouver Sun. He was born in Vancouver, reported for the Vancouver Sun when the late great Jack Webster was its city editor. He also worked for the Chilliwack Progress, the Richmond Review, and Fiji Times as a reporter, photographer, and sub-editor. He was later regional PR officer for the CBC in Vancouver, then joined the Trade Commissioner Service of the federal government. He was assigned to open and manage a tourism promotion office in Cleveland, Ohio. Later, he helped launch a new federal agency called Information Canada, the precursor of today's Service Canada, and opened and managed its two first field offices in Winnipeg and Vancouver. Ron also served as public relations and public re, uh, publications director on the founding administration of Fraser Valley College, precursor of today's University of the Fraser Valley. He then served in a similar capacity at Trinity Western University in Langley, BC from 1983 to 1993. I don't know how you squeezed all this in, Ron, but in the 1988 federal election, he was a candidate for the CHP at Chilliwack, BC. That was our first uh, federal election that Christian Heritage Party participated in. In 1995, he became national leader of the CHP and he was in that role until 2008. Since then, he's been active in the BC wing of the CHP, worked with Roadkill Radio on the internet, and with Culture Guard. He is an elder at Shabbat Shel Shalom, the Sabbath of Peace Messianic Fellowship in Abbotsford, BC, where he lives with his wife of 35 years, Janet. And currently, Ron is on the board of Compass Community Learning Centers, a new venture working to provide a Bible-based alternative to the taxpayer-supported public school system and to make it more affordable to more parents. So, Ron, with all that, we would just want to thank you as a, as a friend, a mentor, and a, a, a model of citizenship and journalistic integrity. Thank you for joining us today on this important topic. Thank you, Rod. That's a long list. Of, it took 87 years to get all that in. So. Oh, anyway, uh, I'm, it's, I, I'm honored to be asked to come back and and do this conversation with you and Peter. Uh, Peter and I go back a very long way, back to my very first year as leader of the party, when Peter was so young, I won't tell you how young he was, but, but on, in February, in the northern part of Greater Toronto, this kid went door to door with me in snow and wind and cold. <laughs> and he was a stalwart campaigner then, and he still is. Good to see you again, Peter. Good to be with okay, you. Great to. I must say, I'm always looking for an angle in which I know that uh, your wisdom will 
bring light to a subject and uh, certainly not the least with what we need to discuss today, which is uh, Bill C-10. Mm. And uh, thankfully, Brian Lilly has shone some light on it. He got the uh, front page of the Toronto Sun on April 29th with his uh, editorial. Um, and it's so it took up the whole front page, big picture of, of Trudeau mm. and uh, Stephen Gilbeau. Um, and there, and the, the tagline is with dangerous Bill C-10, the most anti-internet government in Canadian history, angles for full censorship powers over the web. And the big bold letters below say basic dictatorship. Mm. And uh, so that really caught my attention. And um, it was it's good to see that it's not just a few people talking about this um, in uh, in various corners of the country, but it's starting to hopefully be noticed. And so, uh, Ron, with your journalistic background and experience, I thought that we should ask you about censorship and about Bill C-10. Well, thanks, uh, Peter. Listen, there's a a couple of background items to this that I want to put on the table that we can talk about a little later, because this is more than just Bill C-10. First of all, let's look at, at the lead up to it. When Justin Trudeau created a, a multi-million dollar slosh fund from which he could support newspapers and broadcasters across Canada, whom he found responsible. But that means friendly to his liberal government. So he, he started by getting publishers. And look, I know journalists. I, I respect most Canadian journalists. I, I respect their integrity. But the publishers only look at the bottom line. And in an, in an era when the internet is siphoning off 85 to 90% of advertising from the legacy media, this little bailout from, from the government is a very attractive lure. And once he's got them on the hook, then along comes this guy, Stephen Gilbeau, and I want to remind you that last November when he introduced this bill, he made a promise, women, I'm going to read it to you here. Um, he made a promise in the House of Commons, and he said, user-generated content, news content, and video games would not be subject to the new regulations. But this amendment that he's proposed and which has been rubber stamped by the liberal the liberal caucus in parliament uh, is a 180 degree turn on social media so this is kind of you know slip something in say but oh, don't worry we're never going to do that but then puts in an amendment that gives them the power to regulate everything that goes across the internet Potentially, that's the state of, of Bill C-10. And I imagine what Brian Lilly is referring to when he talks about basic dictatorship is, is um, Justin Trudeau's statement well, several years back now, 
when he was speaking to a women's group in the Liberal Party and, and said, you know, I have a certain admiration for China and its basic dictatorship. Mm. Well, this bill, Bill C-10, if it passes our parliament, will in fact give our federal government through Stephen Gilbeau's department control over the internet like what China has. It is the free speech rights of every Canadian who uses the internet either to express themselves or to receive information. That freedom is out the window. It may be in the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, but you know that the Section one of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms says that for, you know, if it's reasonable in a democracy, reasonable according to whom? Well, according to the ones who enforce these things. No, this really is a full-on attack against freedom of expression in Canada. And I also want to link this to the World Economic Forum, that's the gang of billionaires who meet at Davos, Switzerland once a year in order to decide what our future is going to be like. And they have been talking now for more than 10 years and for three years openly about a great reset that will change the, the whole economic climate of the world. And Justin Trudeau is on record as having spoken to a meeting in New York where he said, this pandemic opens an opportunity for us to bring in the Great Reset. When you have Klaus Schlaubel and Peter, sorry, Justin Trudeau talking about this mammoth change and then someone of the radical nature of Stephen Gilbeau comes along and says, well, let's regulate what goes out on the internet. Because there are some people who say things on the internet that we don't like. Free speech, freedom of speech, depends on people being free to say things that people in authority might not like. The idea of free speech is the liberal exchange of ideas back and forth and the assumption that we, the Canadian public, have sufficient judgment and intelligence to sort out for ourselves what we do and do not want to, to accept among the free exchange of ideas. That goes out the window when the government wants to be a nanny to protect us from the vague possibility that we might hear something that would wound our little ears. This is a really, well, I, Terrence Corcoran calls it a, a full-on attack on freedom of speech. And he says that Stephen Gilbo's platform should be taken down. I mean, what he's saying is that this man is so radical, unifocused, that he does not deserve to be in the cabinet. But you know, I think you could also say that of our prime minister. 
the two men are both radicals, radical in the Marxist sense that they want to give us a controlled economy, a controlled society, and they want the controls. That's where we are. And Bill C-10 opens a big barn door for them to march through that. Yeah, there's nothing more chilling, I think, than the idea of having the government in power controlling every avenue of um, publication. And now with the internet, we have had for some years now the privilege of going doing an end run around the sort of the state controlled mass media, uh, the ones that Trudeau is passing money to, the uh, CBC with one and a half billion dollars a year. Yeah. 595 million to other uh, legacy media, as you say. But with the internet, we have had the privilege for some years of at least having a venue that we could have local input, grassroots uh, input, and people could hear ideas that they're not going to hear on the mainstream media. Now, if they close that door, uh, we're back to, I mean, every, every dictatorship has begun with the idea of censorship and control of the message. I've been reading lots about Nazi Germany and communist Russia, and uh, you know it goes on. But that is the human desire, the or the the fail, <laughs> the sinful human desire to uh, control what not only what other people do, but what they think. And if they can control what you think and what you know how you understand the world, then they can control what you're going to do and where your loyalties are going to lie. Yeah, the internet. 30 years ago was kind of the wild west of ideas. Now, we have lost a lot of that freedom already to big tech uh, because the big tech companies, uh, the one, FANG is, is the, the acronym for it. That's Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, and Google, right? FANG. Um, they, they exercise kind of monolithic control, and that is in itself a problem. But the answer to that problem is not Stephen Gilbert, not by a jugful. No, the, the answer is to make them responsible as publishers. The big internet platforms have a freedom from legal liability for what goes on, which is kind of similar to a telephone company. The telephone company gives me a phone and gives you a phone and it gives us lines that connect them. And I can call you up and the telephone company has nothing whatever to do with what I say. Now, I may say some things in that conversation that they won't like, that you won't like, that somebody else won't like. But the telephone company is not liable for what I say. But if we make the, the big platforms on the internet publishers rather than public fora, then they become responsible for their internet control. If they impose censorship and allow this and don't allow that, then they become publishers and they would be legally liable if for the decisions that they make. If they just let anything go and we have complete free speech, they would be then they'd be off the hook. But they're not doing that, and they need to be controlled. But the the answer to control is not to put everything in the hands of Stephen Gilbo. That's the wrong answer to an important question. 
Point. Yeah, the uh, the prosecution of of, of crimes. Um, uh, I mean, my my mind is going into a, a very um, a very different part of internet censorship and the and the questions that have been rightly raised um, concerning Pornhub, which is a which is a gross and evil um, distributor of pornography and their um, rights um, to publish or not publish um, or, or another conversation altogether. Um, but I think that it's an important one to, to consider because we're talking in some of the, in those cases about um, no consent, um, about crimes against victims that are, are in fact being uploaded. And, um, and those things must be prosecuted. Um, but there is that is still a different matter than the the, the freedom to speak your mind um, is is not the freedom to um, rape and assault another person. Um, well, we've gone the wrong direction, and like censorship per se is not necessarily an evil thing. You know, the, there was it gets its name from a role in the Roman government. The role of the censor was one to make sure that the the public morality and and the respect for government was not weakened. That's still a worthwhile thing to do. But that 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 has to be done, therefore, with a set of laws that are in place designed to protect people who could be harmed and who are not able to defend themselves. And in the case of pornography, that's women and children primarily. And, and so pornography was at one time a crime in Canada and in the United States. And since the 1960s, that barrier has eroded away to the point that, that well, there, you know, there's a, an internet site called Pornhub I mean, there's lots of them that they make their business. That is their business. They do this. Protecting society from invidious harms like that is a worthwhile objective of government. We should look at what the Bible says about government. What's the, what, why did God create government? To reward those who do good and to punish those who do evil. Yeah, to, to execute that job description, you must have an immutable standard of good and bad. The Bible gave us that, and while that was the core, we were able to regulate society. And there were things that we were not allowed to do in public, and there were even things that we were not allowed to do in private that would be harmful to the society and to morality. Some of those things are still illegal, like conspiracy to commit crimes and so forth. But some of them have been blurred. The boundaries have been blurred. But again, the answer to that problem is not Stephen Gilbeau. The answer to that is not to put all of the control of the internet into the hands of a man with a single-minded focus that industry is bad and must be broken and brought down. 
it is not to put the control of communications in any media, whatever, in the hands of people who say, we must have central control and planning of the economy, of the communications. That's a Marxist idea. Marxism always devolves into that kind of centralized control because without it, people will actually do what free people do. They'll do enterprising things on their own, and there will result inequities. The inequities are not blamed on the system. The inequities are the result of people having different talents, different inclinations, different willingness to work. That will produce inequities. We have to live with that. That's where progress comes from. One, one set of ideas produces better results than another, and therefore we go to that set of ideas. That's, that is what led us into free enterprise economics, which has lifted more people out of poverty than any other economic system ever tried in the world. Marxism has been, Marxism and socialism has been the very opposite. It has always driven people into poverty and unfreedom. You know, Venezuela is a splendid example of that. Two decades ago, Venezuela had a higher per capita GDP than Canada because it sits on one of the world's very largest oil reserves. Today, people, people in Venezuela, according to one report, have lost an average of 20 pounds per person because they don't get enough food. Gasoline is only 50 cents a gallon, but it's not available. So, so it doesn't matter what price it is. Their entire oil industry... Socialism has utterly destroyed Venezuela. It will utterly destroy Canada if we allow central controllers like, like Stephen Gilbo and like Justin Trudeau and like Jagmeet Singh, if we allow them to take control of our lives, of our speech, of our communication, of our economy, we will go down the same tubes. It will inevitably happen. Well, we're going to pause this conversation and pick it up again for the next episode. Um, and uh, one thing that I'll just encourage is reach out to Stephen Gilbo's office. He's the Canadian Minister of Heritage. Um, and in phoning his office and telling his staff, his people, that you do not think that Bill C-10 is a good idea, that you think that it should be scrapped. Um, would be a great thing to do. Also, if you have a member of parliament in your area who is either liberal or NDP, they're the two that seem to be most gung-ho on this bill, uh, phone them up and tell them that you think that they better not vote on it and that it's contrary to the charter um, rights to freedom of speech and um, that it will um, be have a chilling effect on free speech for Canadians. Um, any of those things, but we've, we've got to be telling our members of parliament that um, Bill C-10 is a bad idea for Canada. It's against our culture and bad for our future. Um, 
Perhaps we should remind them that this is a bill that will destroy Canada's heritage. Mm. The Minister of Canadian Heritage should not be doing that. Absolutely. Well said. Well, Ron, thanks for joining us for this episode, and we look forward in the next uh, segment uh, to talk about media bias. And uh, this, of course, is an aspect of media bias imposed by the government through the Internet. But uh, media bias was there before the Internet was there. In fact, uh, maybe before the uh, legacy media we know about, it, it's always been the uh, intent and purpose of uh, dictators, uh, whatever form they come in to, to control thought. And so we want to talk about that next time we uh, come together. So thanks very much for joining us today. So with that little intro, we hope that you'll join us next time for another edition of CHP Talks. Mm-hmm.